Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be able to welcome you to Ocean View. Thanks for being a part of our church today uh, as we start a brand new message series. Uh, it's entitled, This is My Story. And uh, I'm really excited because I think um, sometimes as Christians, whether you're at home watching online or whether you're here in our uh, church this morning, I think sometimes we forget that part of our primary responsibilities as uh, someone who believes and follows Jesus Christ is that we give testimony. And you've heard that term before, testimony. We give testimony as to what God has done in and through our life. You've heard terms, if you're a Christian, of your witness um, or your testimony. Um, And the truth is, is that as we unpack Scripture, we see all along that maybe, just maybe, God really requires us on a day-to-day basis to be able to tell our story in an incredible way. Um, And so that's what we're kicking off today is this is my story. So the hope is by the end of this series that we'll understand exactly what God expects of us but that we'll also be able to participate in what God requires of us when we talk about our story. So in order to set this up, um, we, we dive into Scripture in the Bible and uh, in the New Testament and one of the Gospels. It's the Gospel of John. And there's a story in there about Jesus Christ, and I'll go to this in just a second. But there's a story there about Jesus Christ, and he is getting popularity. And the, the Pharisees, who are the religious teachers, um, you know, Jesus has come on, and, and all of a sudden, they, they've been really excited about this guy named John the Baptist, and then Jesus comes, and John the Baptist baptizes him, and now all of a sudden, a lot of attention's going Jesus' way. And so the Pharisees are hearing about this, and they're wondering, who is this Jesus guy? Jesus knows this is happening, and they're in an area where Jesus was just being, had just been baptized. And so all of a sudden, the Pharisees are hearing it, and this is where we pick up the story in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Here we go. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So he left Judea, and he returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So let me unpack this a little bit. Here's Jesus, and if you don't know a little bit about Israel, and in November, actually, of next year, um, our team that is going to be heading out there, we're going to be actually in the spot where Jesus Christ was baptized. So Jesus is hanging out here. There's a Sea of Galilee, which is to the north. There's the Dead Sea. You've heard of this down to the south, and in between that connects him is called the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is where Jesus Christ was baptized just north of the Dead Sea. So Jesus is hanging out right around here, And he hears, uh uh-oh, Pharisees, they're kind of picking up on all the activity that's going on. It's not my time yet to kind of engage them, so I need to move on. So Jesus has a choice to make, and this is why I want you to lean in for a second. This is why I'm holding my hands like this, because geography plays an important role in today's message. So there are two ways to travel from where Jesus was to Galilee, where where Galilee is. And so Jesus Christ is here, and he can either go east, which is today modern-day Jordan, and which most Jews, in fact, almost all of them, would travel this way to get up to go to Galilee. Or he can choose a different route, which is western. However, that western route will take him through an area called Samaria. And no Jewish person would ever dare travel through Samaria. Why? 
Well, you Bible study students, you know a long time ago that there was a point in time where the Jewish people, they're worshiping God, and then they started to turn their backs on God, and God allowed them to be conquered, and they were dispersed all around the region. And there were Jewish people that were dispersed in areas, and they cried out to God, and they just begged for God to be able to draw them back together, and they, they stayed committed to God as much as they could. But then there were some other Jewish pots of people that were in areas that all of a sudden they just all decided, you know what, we like this area, we like this culture, and they decided to intermarry and become a part of the culture to where they moved to. One of those areas was known as Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish faith and Jewish people, they are not to intermarry with other cultures. They are to stay committed to their own faith and culture, which is a belief in God the Father. And so Jewish people at this time despised Samaria and Samaritans. They didn't even want to travel through. Why? Because they would travel through and look at traitors to the faith. And they didn't want anything to do with them. That's why Samaritans were despised by Jews. So Jesus Christ, watch this. Jesus Christ has a decision to make. As a Jewish teacher, 100% God, 100% man, do I choose to go through Jordan where every other Jewish person does? Or do I take a step and show and teach others that, no, 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 I have a different plan. And do I go through Samaria to be able to engage a Samaritan? Well, guess what Jesus decides. He chooses to go through Samaria. He chooses to go through a Samaritan village. So we pick up the story, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to a well to draw water. Now pause. So Jesus Christ is traveling through Samaria, and all of a sudden he comes upon Jacob's well. There's a well in Samaria. He sits there. There's no one else around. He sends the disciples to get some supplies. Hey, go into the area to be able to get some supplies. And Jesus, this is what I love about the picture of God. He's 100% God, 100% man. He's tired. And he sits by the well. And he's exhausted. And all of a sudden, a Samaritan woman starts walking toward the well and sees a Jewish teacher by the well. Now, here's what, a, here's what a Samaritan woman would begin to think. Oh, great. A Jewish teacher. Well, this is not going to go well. In fact, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to walk up there. He's going to give me a dirty look. He's not going to even recognize that I'm actually here. He's probably going to turn his back on me. And I have to walk through all the shame because I know that when I encounter a Jewish person, they look at me as a traitor to the faith, as someone that has turned their back on God, someone that carries a burden of shame. And by the way, I am a woman. He is a man. No man in this culture would engage a female at this time. So this is going to be uncomfortable. So this woman walks up to the well. And this is where Jesus is going to stun every one of us. Take a look at this, John 4, 7 through 9. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink. Now, here's what I love about Scripture, and, and for those of you who are new to the faith and you read it, you can't take it at face value because here's the truth. Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman and said, please give me a drink. Jesus really wasn't interested in her water. Jesus was interested in writing a better story in her life. Watch this. Now, this is the interactive part, part of our program. Does Jesus Christ know yesterday? 
Thank, thank you. You started first. You're, you're on ball. You guys need to catch up a little. You guys, I don't know, you're sleeping over there. All right. So does Jesus Christ know today? Does Jesus Christ know tomorrow? Does Jesus Christ know everything in our past? Did Jesus Christ at that moment know the Samaritan woman's past? Now, here's what you don't know about her. I'm going to gossip in church. You ready? This Samaritan woman was married five times. You read later on, she had five husbands. Not only is she a traitor to the faith, not only did her generations intermarry with a different culture, no, even though she is despised, she lives in shame. And here she walks up to Jesus. Did Jesus Christ know this about her? Yes. Why in the world would Jesus Christ engage a woman like that in a conversation? It goes against everything that they know in culture. No one would dare do that. But Jesus would. Maybe the truth is Jesus was trying to teach us today about something. Maybe today you're here today, and maybe you have a story you're ashamed of. And maybe you're in church for the first time, or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, and there is a part of your story that you have ignored for years because of the shame that it has brought on you. Now, let's be honest in here. I think all of us have those parts of our story. I mean, let's be honest. When someone asks, hey, tell me a little bit about your past, some of us in this room go, well, you know what? You know, it, you know at the age of 30, you know, we started having kids and this and that, and you tell them the story. And they go, well, well what happened before you were 30? <laughs> well, you know my 20s. And that's all you say. Well, we don't want to get into those details because you're not proud of some of the decisions that you made. And so all of a sudden, you bury that part of your past and you want to forget that. You want to run from it. There's no good in that. God doesn't want to hear about it. God's disappointed me in. And so every part of my past, I want to shove it away because God would not be interested. No, that's not true. Because Jesus Christ chose to speak to a Samaritan woman even though she has a very checkered past and he wanted to hear her story. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We were all meant to be storytellers. We were all meant to be storytellers. God has put all of us on this earth. And he requires all of us. And he engages all of us as if to say, I want to hear your story. Jesus looked into the eyes of a sin-filled woman and said, I know no one wants to speak to you, but I traveled this way just to engage in a conversation with you. I'm not interested in water. I'm interested in connecting and showing you that the God of the universe cares about your story. And God of the universe cares about your story today. And there's many of us that have buried our stories because we're ashamed to share it in culture. Jesus doesn't care about what culture says. He cares about what he's doing in and through you. And so here's a question. When was the last time you told your story? When was the last time that you unpacked and shared your story? Not just the abbreviated Reader's Digest version, but the parts that you're not proud of when was the last time you told your story? And here's the truth. Some of us in this room, we don't feel like anybody cares about our story. But even if you don't feel like you have a story, Jesus still wants to hear it. He cared that much. We continue on as Jesus encounters. Jesus replied to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, 
Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Now, here's the truth. Jesus looks at her and says, hey, give me some water, shocks her. She turns back and watch what she does. This is why I love it. Watch what she does. Wow, he just talked to me. He cared. No, it can't be. And she responds to him in the way that all of us would respond. God can't possibly be concerned about my story because watch what she does. Jesus says, you know, if you really knew that I was God, you would want living water from me. And she says to him, hey, you don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket, and so what is different? There's a lot of you in this room right now. You come in every single Sunday. Let's be honest. If you're watching online, you watch online, and you come in, and you hear messages that I try my best to speak what God would have you hear. And as God speaks, some of you in this room, your heart starts to pound. But here's what happens. Immediately you say, God can't be talking to me. God can't be challenging me there. God doesn't necessarily want really me. I've done too many things wrong. There's no way that God can be speaking to me. And here's what you do. You walk out those doors. You look at God and say, God, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. You can't do anything. And Jesus says, if you knew who I, you, who I was and who you're talking to, I don't need a rope and a bucket. Because what I'm offering is living water to change culture and to change your life. But many of us do this because the pain of family, the pain of our past, the pain that we go through and we think about the shame that we have pushes our hope for a different future away. Pain pushes hope away. And for those of you that carry shame, shame will shackle your story. Shame will tell you it's not good enough. Jesus doesn't want to hear it. But here's the truth. There is power in a painful story. There is power in a painful story. And that's why Jesus went to this Samaritan woman because she has a painful history, and Jesus engaged her and showed her, I care about your story. Because maybe Jesus wants to write a better story. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can write a better story in your life? That's the question. You can go to sleep for the next 10 minutes, but I want to hear an answer to this in your heart. Do you believe that Jesus Christ can write a better story in your life, yes or no? Thank you. I didn't expect you to say it out loud, but you're listening. That's awesome. And he actively every day is after your story. I remember this time of year is difficult for me. Because tomorrow is a holiday in our country where we celebrate all of our veterans. And thank you for your service. But tomorrow also marks my mom's birthday. And for those of you who don't know, my mom died when I was 15 years old. Died of cancer. And so... 11-11 is a very special day as we honor our military vets. But it's also a day where I reflect a lot on my relationship with my mom, the short relationship I had. And I'll never forget about a month and a half before she went into the hospital. She was very, very sick at this time. And there's a, a seafood restaurant, her favorite restaurant in Hollywood, Florida. It's called Stratford's. And it is one of those dives that you walk in and it is really bad food. And when I say really bad food, it's really good food. And all the tables have newspapers on them, and you just eat over the newspapers, and then they just fold up the newspapers and throw it away and get ready for the next group. And we were in there, and my mom loved seafood, all different kinds, and we all gathered, and she was really sick at this time. And I remember sitting there with her, and because I, I tried gator tail for the very first time. Tastes like chicken, I'm just being honest. 
And I remember her sitting there, and, um, and she didn't need anything. And we had family in, and I didn't know as a kid the family was coming in because they knew the end was close. And she went to the hospital shortly after that, and she passed away. About two months after that, here's what my life was like. I had everybody coming. Or you can imagine a 15-year-old in a high school. You can imagine everybody wants to come up and just, just tell you that they're sorry. And here's what I did. I'm okay. I'm okay. I buried it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm good. I'm good. That part of my story, no thank you, God. I don't want to revisit it. It's too painful. And as a young kid, that's the only way that I knew to deal with it was just to bury it. And so for two months, I had a lot of people worried about me because it looked as if nothing had happened. I was going around. I was helping. I was playing baseball. I was serving. I was, I was fine on the outside. I remember my friends one Friday night, they were just worried about me, and they, they'd been trying to engage me. Hey, why don't you come out with us? And so we went out on a Friday night, and we're all in the car, and they say, oh, we're going to go to dinner. I said, yeah, great, I'm hungry. And we pull into Stratford's parking lot. And you can imagine my memories hitting me. And they have no idea. And we go into the restaurant, and we're sitting there at the table, and all of a sudden it begins to hit me, all the emotions of what happened. I get up from the table, I said, excuse me, and I went out to the parking lot, and I just lost it. Cried my eyes out. All the pain, everything just started coming out. And all of a sudden, my friends came running out, and they said, what? what's wrong? What did we do? What's wrong? And I looked at them, I said, nothing. I said, and I explained it to them, and I just cried through it. And I'll never forget my friend Travis, he was there, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, this is good. You need to do this. You haven't cried once. Let it out. Let me hear it. I was actually getting annoyed because he was like, he was like that. Let it out. It's okay. And I'm like, okay, enough. You're drawing attention. Stop it. And that day, it was cathartic. It was healing to be able to talk about a painful part. Anger, frustration, all of it came out. I didn't want to bother anybody. I didn't want to bug anybody. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want the attention. But when it came out, oh, it felt good. I think that's why Jesus wants to write a story in our lives and why today he's engaging some of you with a painful story and saying it's time to stop shoving that story aside and it's time to begin embracing it. It's time to stop looking at Jesus and say, there's nothing you can do with this. You don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. And so nothing can change. And it's time for you to start believing that Jesus Christ can write a better story in your life. Because he can. We continue the story. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. A lot of times we think that God is a part of our story for us. And yes, he is. But you know, when you start reading through the Bible and you start understanding who God is, you start realizing that God is amazing. Because, yes, he wants everybody to start telling their story, and all of us have a story. But did you know this? So let's take our stories and put them over here. Did you know that God is writing a much bigger story over here? That there is a much bigger story going on on this planet, in this universe, than we could ever imagine. 
We think we have our arms wrapped around what God is doing. We're not even scratching the surface. And God is writing an incredible story. And what he's saying to you and to me today is, look, I need you to be a part of my bigger story. I need you to be a part of a story of restoration. I need you to be a part of a story of forgiveness. I need your painful stories to encourage a generation so that they can come and turn to me and be a part of my bigger story. You see, your story is not meant for you alone. God wants to write a bigger story, a much bigger story than you can even imagine, and it starts with you today. Because every one of us has a story, and it's time to stop running from the story. Now look at the Samaritan woman who came to the well, who had no value, no purpose, shame, five husbands, everything on her. And watch what she says to Jesus after she just accused him of not having a rope and a bucket. She finally opens her eyes, and this is where her life begins to change. John 4, 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And what she's really saying is, God, I believe that my life can change. I don't want to keep living the same life. I want a better future. I want a better story, and I believe that you can give it to me. And so for some of you, it's time to stop running from your story. Isn't it true in this room? And I I got time. So isn't it true in this room that in the South and in the church in general, here's what we do. We put nice clothes on. We put nice makeup and perfume on. And we walk in society, culture, and church, and we pretend as if we don't have mess. That's a lie. Every single one of you has mess in your life. And if you don't think you do, then I'm going to pray for you because you're in worse shape than everybody else. And so if you're in this room and you feel like the Samaritan woman, that there's no way that people would ever embrace your story, well, then you have to understand your mess is just as bad as my mess. There's nobody's mess here that is better or worse than others. It's all just mess. And could you imagine if we all, as believers in Christ, start reaching out instead of shaming people, looking down on people, judging people. Imagine if we actually just looked and goes, well, Your mess is a different color than mine, but you know what? I got mess too, so brother, sister, how can I come along and how can I love on you and how can I help you? We spend way too much time in the church and in the South and in culture in general judging people's mess when we got a ton of mess ourselves. That wasn't even in the notes, sorry, just went there. So here's the truth. It's time to start owning your story and being proud of it. Stop owning other people's or other pictures' story and start writing your own. Here's what I'd like you to do. This is important to me. And our whole staff is going to do this as well. This morning, when you got a worship guide, in there there was a card that said, this is my story. I want you to make sure you grab that. I don't want you to throw it in the parking lot. I don't want you to throw it in the dashboard of your car. I want you to actually walk with it, and I want you to hold it. God wants to write a better story in your life, but I'll be honest. Many of you have an amazing story, and you don't even know it, because you haven't thought about it or you haven't embraced it. And the only way you can give witness, tying it all the way back, the only way you can give witness or testimony to others about what Jesus has done in your life is if you know your story. And so I'm going to ask all of us in this room to use that card. And on the front, it has three questions for you. And it speaks to this. What was your life before you began a relationship with Christ? And I want you to bullet point it. Pain, shame, shame mistakes, 
If you want to write narrative and you want to write a paragraph, write a paragraph. Use a different sheet of paper. I don't care. But whatever you need to do, I want you to write it down and own it. And then I want you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to write that down and say, let me tell you when I met Jesus and what that, uh, what that conversation was like at the well. And then today, what is your life like? Because here's what I believe. I think some of us in this room can write a beautiful story from beginning, middle, and end. I think some of us have a very checkered past. We have a moment where we met Jesus, and right now we're not proud of where we've come. But you need to own that. And it's time for you to believe that today God can write a better story. Because that card that you're going to fill out changes. Because your future isn't written in stone yet. You have the opportunity to do amazing things in God's bigger story. So I want you to write that down. Out in the lobby, there are big stands with those picnic paper clips, whatever you call them. What do they call those things? The, yes, clothespins. Thank you, Aaron. Picnic? I mean, you know, I was close. Picnic in a picnic, you have clothes? Yes, clothespins. I want you to take your card. I want you to fill that out. I want you to own your story, and I want you to clip it if you're brave and daring. I want you to clip it to that to inspire a generation to know that they can have a better story. Would you pray with me? God, in this room, um, I thank you, Lord, that I am chief among sitters. I thank you, God, that um, I have mess. God, I thank you that today you have brought right to my face the moments that we come in this room and we look into the face of God that can change our life and our world, and we say, where's your rope and bucket? God, forgive me. God, right now, I just pray for everyone here, Lord, for those that are just feeling their heart pounding. God, I pray you'd speak. I pray you'd challenge them. I pray, God, today that their life would change. I pray that you'd use their story, our story, as a part of your bigger story. And God, that you would do amazing things in and through but Father, today, may we leave this room knowing that you are God and that no matter how messy we get, you care about our stories. We love you, Lord, and we bless you today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.